This is no ordinary pod on the Radio St. Pete Network. And that's my Game of Thrones intro. Terrible job. But for those that don't know, that's the Game of Thrones intro. We're starting with Game of Thrones today. And Noah, how are you doing up there in Tallahassee? Uh, I'm doing great. You know, we could really work on that and make that a thing. You know, we could go have a bum, bum, ba bum, bum. No ordinary podcast. No ordinary podcast. Duh. You know, it could be, it could could. be something hey. good, you know? <laughs> <laughs> <We could laughs> I just wanted to make it quick because we had a lot to talk to you about, and I didn't really feel like writing the lyrics <laughs> to the rest of the uh, intro. I could, we could definitely go for three <laughs> minutes with that. I mean, if South Park can make a floppy floppy wiener joke i think we can go on for a little bit about that but nice to hear you're doing well and we talk sports but we like to go dive into pop culture never but this is not any pop culture moment this is game of thrones the series ended you could be coming here for some sports takes hang with us for however this long this conversation takes us because i don't know how you, we haven't talked about it i don't think we've talked about this season once this whole time so everything's on the table and I will let you get the floor. What are your thoughts on the ending as a whole? Um, well, when I was watching it, um, it felt like some of the writing, it felt like a parody. I literally thought it was the funniest Game of Thrones episode I've ever seen on the basis that some of the things that were said were ridiculous. For example, Tyrion going on and on and on to Jon Snow before... Uh, he before Jon Snow goes and kills Daenerys. You know he goes on and on for like three or four minute monologues. Spoilers, spoilers. Sorry, I we should have said that. If you haven't seen the show now, then sorry, it's been five. Yeah, days. sorry, it's just is what it is. Um, it, Tyrion goes. Uh, Tyrion's my favorite character for sure, and he goes on and on and on and on and on about everything. You know everything that. Uh, Jon Snow needs to go do and Jon Snow pauses after waits like three or four seconds and I'm just thinking I laughed with my friend Jack because there were three things all of season eight that Jon Snow said I don't want it I'm a Targaryen she is my queen Yes. And then he, I'm, I'm looking at this conversation I'm looking at Jon Snow I go he better not say she is my queen and he just goes she is my queen. And I lost it. I laughed so hard because I couldn't believe he said it again. And then when Daenerys and Jon Snow are having their conversation and they're talking about like what's brought, what they've been through and all that jazz. And, and she goes, yeah, you know, I don't remember exactly what, she, why she couldn't count the 20, but she goes, you know, you were a bastard and I was just a girl that couldn't count to 20. And I was like, that's what the writers came up with. That's what they're going to compare. After all 10 years, eight seasons, you come up with Jon Snow being a bastard and Daenerys <laughs> not being able to count to 20 as a little girl. Like, it, I just laughed. I literally laughed. And I it was, it was very comical. I was like... <sighs> I was just happy my man Tyrion didn't die. He did not seem happy about living, but he carried that last episode too with his acting. Oh yeah. But which I mean, okay, so the quotes okay. What are your thoughts on how the storylines concluded? I'm just the only one that I'm upset about is Jon Snow getting sent to the night's watch why because uh, why like him finding out that he was in them putting the pieces together that he was a targaryen was literally for nothing other than for the demise of daenerys essentially that's yeah. it but no one else really found out. Like, people did, but not really. No one really cared. And, like, did you see Did you see the Aaron Rodgers, inter uh, like, two-minute clip from his locker? Yeah, and I would, have loved to have, I would love to have a conversation with Aaron about it, too. Well, I mean, rightfully so, right? 
I mean, about everything, honestly, it's Aaron Rodgers. But this thing in particular, and I understand that, yeah, that's what frustrated me a little bit, too. Like, it was, John is the son of Rhaegar and Lyanna, yes. But he it, that just set Danny over the edge. Like, that knowledge made him, quote-unquote, the rightful heir. And I've had to explain, yes, it's the rightful heir, but this new lineage was not rightful. It was taken by force and power, the Baratheons. And John, he never wanted the throne, yes, as you made it very clear. He said that. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want it. She is, she is my, she is my, she is my queen. Um, but it was just for, it was for Danny to realize, hey, it, it was needed for Danny to spin out of control because she could do with Jorah dying. And think about it. If he wasn't, if he didn't, wasn't a Targaryen, they fall in love and they rule. That simple. And that's what everyone wanted, the happy ending, the simplicity of it. But he found out and that created some inner strife between two the two main characters, quote unquote main characters of the show. So I understand that one and i'm okay with that like i'm like you know what here's the thing though everyone bashes the writers george r, r. martin hasn't finished his story in 10 years and this is the ending that he gave the writers he literally gave this is what happens this 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 i'm 100 percent. i'm so cool with john going beyond the wall because where did he spend the most time he spent two plus seasons beyond the wall where did he seem most happy Beyond the wall when he was with Tormund and Egret and all those people. So now his story ending, becoming the new Mance Raider, the king beyond the wall, I think that's awesome. He's always just been happy being a free guy. Once he had that taste of freedom outside the Night's Watch and the lords and ladies when nothing matters except, hey, just got to wake up, kill something, and hang out. John wanted that, and it was cool. My favorite part was, you know, for since season, I'd say season five, since he wrote, came back from the dead. His hair has been braided. I, I, I mean, I'm like, dang, John has phenomenal hair right now. But seeing it, when he got let go and he was in prison or whatever, and seeing just his curly hair down, that just symbolized, you know what? He's, it's free. He's happy. He's ready to move on with his life. So I was very happy with John's ending. I'm surprised you're okay with the brand thing because most people aren't. I'm okay with it because after Daenerys died, and if you're going to send John beyond the wall, who else are you going to put in charge? That's exactly what I was saying. But even John's a terrible kid. Oh, dude, Tom, John is a terrible, he's a great fighter, great leader, terrible, terrible, like, it, it, it strategizer, like, does not know how to strategize a fight, and, because he just, like, muscles through everything. Like, he is so resilient, mm -hmm. but not everyone is nearly as resilient as he is. Yeah. And he doesn't he's, think. And I saw a lot of, yeah, go ahead. No, go for it. You got it. I said, and I heard a lot, think about the writing thing, like, oh, John would have never done this. And I was thinking, and then I saw a tweet. I don't know who the tweet was, but season one, people are like, do we really think Ned would be this dumb in King's Landing? And then I saw season two. Do you really think Kate, um, Lady Catelyn, Caitlin, Catelyn, is it Catelyn? I forget. Yeah, Catelyn. Would she really let Jamie Lannister go? Like, there's been writing holes and stuff that doesn't make sense forever. Now that everyone in the world watches it and everyone has a Twitter account, everyone thinks they're a, um, what's the proper word? Everyone thinks they're an armchair Emmy award-winning writer and stuff like that. They like to poke holes and stuff like that in terms of plot holes. Uh, but, yeah, the brand thing makes sense to me because... George R. R. Martin has said a thousand times, you don't want people, someone who seeks the power is not fit to rule. Someone who completely doesn't want it is the person who should get it. And maybe I don't think the writer should have said, I'm Brand Stock and I'm not Brand anymore. I don't want anything. Like, that's stupid stuff. Like, you shouldn't have said that two episodes ago and all that. But now Tyrion's conversation when it, in season, in episode two, when it cut away, when it was just Tyrion and Bran just chilling there, makes a lot more sense, in my opinion. Um, so I, I, I love Bran's story. The more I think about it, I'm like, the, I'm the more I'm all for what Bran's doing because he, he doesn't need to be, 
he doesn't he's not someone who seeks war he's just someone who wants to fly his ravens and chill and hang out and just get pushed around on his wheelchair and stuff like that um so i'm very cool with it and one more thing i noticed is that he doesn't have the stark sigil anymore yeah he's not brand he's the three-eyed raven yeah, so I saw that um, that on Brienne's Night's Guard thing, it was the Three-Eyed Ravens logo. I'm just like, I like that. That's really cool to me. I mean, Danny had to die. I mean, what else is it? I mean, are you, you're cool with Arya going west to Westeros, which is something she said in Season 6. I'm cool with it because it seems like that could easily be a phenomenal spinoff show into another world. I mean, who knows? Maybe George R. R. Martin writes like three, has uh, like a bunch of books ready to roll out in the next five years, and then HBO's like, you know what? The spinoffs are going well. Let's get a future thing. Sansa, I want to see what's going on. In, I mean, Winterfell. I don't really care about. They're boring up there in, in Winterfell. Um, I want to see what a fifty-year-old Jon Snow looks like. I want to see what Arya's discovered. I want to see how Bran is chilling. I want you know what I wanted. The best scene of the whole, sh- whole episode was the the small council meeting. Mm-hmm. When Bron Bron's trying to get brothels, Sir Davos, Sam, Tyrion, like that was, I wish there was more conversations to those people. Pod pushes Brandon, like that was just awesome. And Brand's like, I saw this. Why did he need to master whispers when Brand can? Brand already knows everything. <laughs> no, it, exactly. Yeah, you don't have a master whispers, and uh, there was one other. That was Master Coin that he was missing. Something else. Um, yeah, I saw this master of coin because Bron. I saw, uh, or I was talking to someone about it uh, a couple days ago or something. And what if it's just a big, you know, history repeats itself? What if it ends up being a big loop? And Jon Snow goes beyond the wall, um, and then the children of the forest turn him into. The Night King again. And then Jon Snow becomes the Night King. And then he raises an army of the dead and attacks again to get Bran. Because we still don't know why, what the purpose of the Night King going after, why, why, why did they want Bran? Was it because they, the, did the Night King know that Bran was the only way that they were going to succeed? Like, hmm. you know what I mean? There's never been an explanation on why the Night King was so infatuated with trying to get the Three-Eyed Raven. Because Bran is the history. Cause he's, he's the keeper of the memory. So if you kill the Three-Eyed Raven, there's no memory of anything. It just, everything just goes by the wayside. That's what, that's what Bran said in episode two. And, I mean, he seems to know stuff. We didn't get to, we didn't get to figure out why. But that seemed like what it was, is, is that. But, I mean, if maybe history repeats itself, that would be crazy. But I don't even know if the Children of the Forest still exist. I don't know if the Night King already killed all them. Because the Night King was... The people that, I, that I've tried explaining this to, and what I think is, is that everyone thought the Night King was this big, ambiguous figure that had a deeper meaning. But, in fact, he was literally created to destroy men literally created to what's the word to children of the force created them to wipe out men to protect the children from men the night king got too powerful the night king went rogue and that was it that i I don't think there was anything deep, deep about him that oh he wanted to rule this and rule that he just wanted to destroy everyone and then nothing exists I th- that's what I think. I mean, it would have been cool if he... I saw a lot of theories like he's flying to King's Landing to go get the... Di- I feel like a lot a lot of disappointment comes from... Besides the... Ru- the they could feel rushed, could feel writing, but the rushness thing is... How many times, honestly, in episodes like two through six of any Game of Thrones season, were you just like, oh, come on, let's get, let's pick it up? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. There were some boring episodes. And I've seen the series like... 10 times so now that we're getting all the action it's 
it's it's better. It's like it's like oh, we missed the boring episodes, which I understand. We need some calm down. We need some small talk. I love that stuff. And then I forgot what's going to be the other thing. Um, what were we talk? Uh, what were we talking about before this? I completely forgot. My, I've completely lost my. Train we were of talking about now. the Night King, Children of the Forest, destroy all mankind. Boring yeah. episodes. Now we're in action. Wanted more boring episodes. Yeah. Um, well, looks like I forgot my train of thought. All good, but yeah. People, the rushness. I mean, it is what it is. In my I just opinion. don't think, and I don't think Game of Thrones was ever going. To, I don't think this last season was ever going to have a chance to live up to the hype that it got. That's what you just you just got me. People have been sitting on for two years, creating the craziest theories possible. And getting everyone wound up that, oh, Bran's the Night King. All this insanity is going to happen with everything. And now we're just like, you know what? That's not what happens. You guys have taken your own fan fiction and brought it to a level that George R. R. Martin is just like, no, that's that's too far-fetched. That's, you guys are putting together dots that don't connect. Like, Littlefinger may exist. He's a faceless man. We just saw him get his throat cut. I mean, there's all of these things. But in the end, this is a story that George wanted to tell. He didn't get the. T- he did tell it because he said this is what happens. Brand the Broken. I love that name. He's the ruler, and and Tyrion said in the original episode to John, "Cripples, bastards, and broken things." That's it. That's what the story's about, and that's exactly who was who's left standing. Shout out to Sansa getting the North independent again as well. But, and that's the thing. People complain about Bran, and then you ask him, "Well, who did you want to rule?" They're like, well, I don't know. Like, do you want Gendry? Gendry doesn't seem like a logical person. He proposes the the night after. You know, he he has little fun. Um, the new Prince of Dorne, Yara Greyjoy. Um, I don't even know. The, I don't even know their houses right now. Brienne, Tyrion's a prisoner. John can't because John's. I mean, John's a terrible leader. So I mean. Why not go with the smartest human being in the in the whole entire realm who knows everything? Logical choice. So, my last I, I agree yeah. with you. My last closing thoughts. Um, the most disappointing part of the last two seasons um, would have to be the way that Varys kind of went out. Varys was always about mm. protecting the realm, and he did like season one. Who was the person that? Um, who was the person that went and talked to uh, Ned Stark about talking about treason down in the in King's Landing underneath? It was Varys talking to Ned Stark while Ned Stark was waiting to his time with uh, the little blonde, the Joffrey. And then Joffrey, it's I miss, I miss Joffrey. I know, right? And that it's funny to see that. Varys then later is the one talking about treason with Tyrion, and Tyrion's the one that rats him out. Mm-hmm. On the bait, like, it just didn't make sense for for Varys's character to be like that because that's he's never been about that. Yes, he's always been about the realm, but he had little birds everywhere. He should have known, like, he should have been able to f- figure out and know so many more things than what he than what he did towards the back end of the seasons. And I wish there would have been some type of Varys, Littlefinger, last final spout, because a theory that was always kind of in the works through like the first five seasons or so was that all Game of Thrones was just coming down to the game that Varys and Littlefinger were playing. Mm -hmm. But we never really got a conclusion on that. They just both kind of fell by the wayside. So I wish I would I wish we would have seen a little bit more. Varys just seemed soft. Varys and Tyrion both grew soft as time went on. But Game of Thrones, man, it was an awesome ride. It was it was an awesome ride. I was upset with uh I was slightly upset with how they of how they did, like the letters weren't sent out that he tried to write. In, in episode five right before he died but i mean he tried he had his big moment in episode four and five where he's trying to make his moves it just his moves fell short 
because Tyrion, like you said, Tyrion betrayed him because he's like, I, I have to believe in Danny. You brought me to Danny for this reason. I have to trust her a little bit longer that she'll go the right way. And, but Varys didn't. And Varys was proven right, which is what happens. So, yeah, shout out to Game of Thrones, man. There's nothing, there's, I don't think there's ever been a TV show that ignites this much conversation, which leads me to a quick impromptu thing. What are your Mount Rushmore of television shows? You could pick four. Any type. This isn't a thing where you have to choose a comedy, a sitcom, a drama. Game of, I Game ha- of Thrones I, is on there. I have Game of Thrones on mine. I have three absolutely locked in. I know Sons is on there for you. Sons is the fourth one, and I can't decide if I can find a show better than I like more. I have Seinfeld, Entourage, Game of Thrones. Locked in. I would say after Game of Thrones and I would I put Entourage on mine. I've watched Entourage enough and I really enjoy it. Um Curb, Curb Your Enthusiasm. These are your four favorite shows. Yes, four favorite shows of all time. It could be Pokemon, I mean, Digimon, Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever. That's the thing. Like am I ready to put Sons of Anarchy? This is tough. I'm not all that well for that- Oh. Game of Thrones Curb Your Enthusiasm. Barry is up there. Like, Barry's probably my favorite show. If you haven't seen it on HBO, it's mm. phenomenal. Um, I need to get into that. And I would say it would be a toss-up between Entourage and That 70s Show, but That 70s Show makes me laugh <sighs> more than Entourage, so I would have to give it to That 70s Show. See, I love That 70s Show. I love How I Met Your Mother until the last season. So those two are, are behind Seinfeld for me. Because I'm just re- I've I've watched Seinfeld three times in a span of like ten months because it is the funniest show. Uh, I need to watch Seinfeld. Before, I have not watched it like if, all the way through ever. If you like Curb Your Enthusiasm, you'll love Seinfeld because it's the same writer. Oh yeah, Larry David's the best man. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm I'm starting to get through Curb too, but my fourth one is between Sons of Anarchy and Californication. Ooh, I was just thinking about Californication the other day. That's a great show. That is a phenomenal television show. I think Sons of Anarchy. I mean, Californication gets in gets me very emotional, and that's not and that's weird to say because that show is extremely. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say anything about it. Um, just watch it if you if you enjoy a great writing, great writing. Um, so, Hank Moody or Jax Teller? Uh, I'll go Sons of Anarchy just for my brand, just to keep my brand going. So. I think that's it. I think that's a closing our chapter on Game of Thrones. I don't know if I'll ever rewatch Game of Thrones. I think I've been through it enough. I rewatched the last episode. I was flipping in between the Raptors game. Good segue. I kept in for commercials. I'd go and I look at HBO. Just kept showing it. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna pick it up during different scenes. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. Tyrion's speech is awesome. All of it's awesome. So, thank you, Thrones. A lot of conversation. Anyone who has anything to say, just find me. We'll we'll have these. Up. We'll hash out all these conversations. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to war for these writers, not the writers for the the story. So, basketball in a sports now. Do you want to go? We're recording this by the way, Wednesday, March 20, May March. Months are flying. May 22nd, about 10:25, we started. So, this is on the this is a day after the Toronto Raptors, even the series with the Milwaukee Bucks at 2-2. And last week when we talked, I was quick to pronounce that Giannis Antetokounmpo, I love that I can pronounce that name now, has been, has the potential to be legit and unstoppable greatest player of all time. Potential. Not there yet, but potential. And something we've seen over the past two games especially, is there could be a best player in the NBA right now that isn't Kevin Durant, is no longer LeBron, is no, is maybe not even Steph Curry. We're going to get into a Steph Curry discussion in, after we talk this series. And that's Kawhi Leonard. A guy I've thought is the second best player in the NBA since Tim Duncan retired. A player that is literally limping has been limping for two game for the past two games because he has quad he's had he's had quad problems forever he has a knee issue so but he's still out there guarding Kawhi Leonard every single game 
for the, I mean, for the past two games. And the numbers when Giannis is matched up on Kawhi throughout the four games. Let me go the past two games if I can do that real quick. Man, NBA.com's um, stat thing is unbelievable. I always I always rave about it. It is just next level. What's what you can the do? The NBA is just so much farther in so many different ways than the NFL. Okay, on a per game basis, yeah, Kawhi has guarded him thirty seven and a half possessions per game for the last two games. Giannis has scored five and a half points per game. The players' point differential between them is minus twenty four and a half. Um. Kawhi is shooting, I mean, Giannis is shooting 26% from the field total has, and has only been to the free throw line once when guarded by Kawhi. That is ridiculous. That is legit Kawhi Leonard saying, I am still the best defender in the NBA. By far, not even close. And on the offensive end, Kawhi's getting busy too. So, what are your thoughts on where do you see you you before the, before this podcast you just said you you told your boy Toronto was going to win because you know you get one chance stealing on the road so you th- you expect this to be two two heading back with a best of three series now lining up who do you what are your thoughts on the Kawhi Giannis matchup? Which seems like it's a heavyweight bout, heavyweight title fight for to decide who is the best player in the NBA. And second, who do you see coming out on top? I don't know if I mentioned it last week on the pod or if I was talking to someone. I talk sports all the time, and I thought the X factor of the Giannis Kawhi matchup, heavyweight matchup, you could call it, was. Just the the experience of what Kawhi had, you know. You, I remember you said last week that LeBron is visible when he had to play Kawhi when Kawhi was like twenty twenty one. He was visibly like, man, this dude's coming out on the floor right now, like visibly upset and like, man, I got to work so much harder to get past this guy, and we got to do a lot more on offense to work past this guy. You tell me because you're the more of a basketball guy than I am, but who else? With, with a guy like Kawhi and the skill set that he has both on, on both ends of the floor, can shoot, can drive, can defend, can pass the ball, can rebound. What is there a better coach than Greg Pop to be groomed under for a guy that had his type of talent? Maybe not even Popovich and the San Antonio culture, but Chip English in particular, who is a legendary shooting coach for San Antonio. Kawhi had a broken jump shot coming out of San Diego State. A very, very good San Diego State team, by the way. Coach under Steve Fisher. So he's been under, he went from college and Steve Fisher, the guy who coached the Fab Five Michigan team, won the national championship before the Fab Five even got there. Was with him in San Diego State. Got drafted by the Indiana Pacers. And it comes full circle because, the, do you know the player he was traded for from Indiana, from, for, that San Antonio traded to Indiana? No. George Hill. So, <laughs> the, Spur, the Spurs traded George Hill for the rights to Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi comes in. He's just, I mean, he has crazy wingspan. He's, his, hands, his hands are inhumane. Like, you don't, and it's funny because you see him just pick a ball. Like, it's, you've seen it so many times, but you see him just pick a ball up off the ground. Like, he gets rebounds with one hand. He'll drive. And literally just hold the ball with one hand like he's MJ in Space Jam. Just like, you can't touch this ball. I'm getting through. And steals everything. Like, all right, you are, if you could create a LeBron James stopper or someone to slow LeBron James down, this is the guy you'd create in the lab. How can we get his offense? And kudos to Kawhi. Worked tirelessly with Chip English. They fixed his jump shot. And that's what San Antonio does, is that they identify talent and they put you in a system to groom that talent the best that you can. I mean, I love Derek, the guy for San Antonio, Derek White. I love him coming out of Colorado. They identify that. I mean, he fell off in the Denver series, but you saw the potential in terms of him running a team. They they have the same guys on that bench for years. Patty Mills, Dumb Burtons. It's just an awesome system down there. And if you're if you are going to get the best out of your skill set, it's in San Antonio. And Kawhi, and 
the Spurs did that with Kawhi. They made him. I mean, think back to the the seventy three the first Durant year. Kawhi was locking down KD in Game One, and destroying them on offense. The Spurs were up twenty five points on the on the KD Warriors in the conference finals, and then the famous what was the center's name Zaza gets underneath them and then he falls twice and then Kawhi's done series sweep it's over. Like this, Kawhi takes it personal against the Warriors especially, so. Let's cloud everything that happened last year in San Antonio and realize that San Antonio made Kawhi. They need they made them come together as a perfect mesh of energy and forces to create Kawhi being a top three player in the NBA. So with all that being said, plus the knowledge and experience that you can get with working with Tim Duncan, Hall of Fame, Greg Pop. Him not being the bona fide leader through all those Spurs playoff runs. When you're that young, you may not know exactly what you're learning. But when you go to a different team, and now he's the leader of Toronto, he's going to be he's getting thrown into very similar situations that he's been in there. You know, he's been he was down two one at home. You know, he he lost a close one on the road um, against the number one seed. Like he's playing. Um, disadvantage like is playing best of three but only gets one of those games at home like he's been in these situations Giannis if I'm correct has never been past the first round until this year yes that speaks volume for me especially in a series like this where you have Giannis shooting who you said could if he plays up to what he could play could we could start seeing the greatest player of all time literally ever come to form but when you have mm-hmm. what when you win in between the ears like Kawhi does because you watch Kawhi play basketball and you're like yes he's a freak athlete but he is in the right spot like Russell Westbrook is a freak athlete but he loses all the games all the time because he he can't win in between the ears so with that with, yeah. with all that being said you know like that was where I was like that's where my defining line was was now we have essentially I see like San Antonio culture followed like went with Kawhi to Toronto and now that's what they're going with. And I I think I think the Raptors take it in 7. I but honestly I wouldn't be surprised if they won it in 6. Mm-hmm. I before the season started, I predicted the Toronto Raptors to defeat the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. I am before we were talking Last week I said, hey, I think that if I did not pick the Toronto Raptors for the season, I'd probably pick the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm still sticking with Toronto. I think they're going to win in six. I think that their bench is playing well. They haven't... Rotations shrink in the playoffs. You having a deep bench doesn't help you as much. Honestly, that's, that's just the truth. Think about all the great depth teams that have ever won a championship. You can't. It's, it's the Warriors played 10 guys, but it's the Warriors, and they have, and the Spurs, they have installed systems. The Bucks have a system, but, but they don't have the defenders. You can't be playing Nikola Mirotic and Irsan Ilyasova and all of these guys that are just can't, you just can't leave out in the field. What is Brick Lopez going to do if he goes against Golden State? He's not going to play. Toronto, all they have eight guys. Those eight guys can play. Norman Powell, pow, off the bench. <laughs> you have <laughs> Fred VanVleet who for some um personal life we have to remember thing these are humans. Fred VanVleet has been playing terrible this postseason at the end of the season. His wife was pregnant. His wife just had a baby two or three days ago. Guess what he can do now? He can relax. He can play basketball. You have motivation now. Like, I got a kid, man. Like I can. Pl- I got to play for this kid. I don't want my kid's first memory of me to be me blowing a playoff run for my team. And we got my boy Serge Ibaka, who is not the. Ri- He's good enough for one or two explosion games where he just comes out and balls. And I love, I love this Toronto team for matchups. I really have all season. Kyle Lowry, love him. He is just, people love the bash on him, rightfully so. But that guy gives you effort. 
He's shooting the ball phenomenally this season. This 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 series. You have Danny Green, who still can't make, still is building bricks, building a house left and right. All the bricks he's thrown up. Um, Siakam has been. He's been in check a little bit because Giannis is guarding him because Giannis wants no part of of Kawhi on the other end. Let's be honest. And then we got Marcus Gasol, who's just the big Spaniard, is just draining threes and just playing well. This team, this is a a great case of an up and coming team in the Bucks facing a team that is ready to win right now. Kyle Lowry, been in playoff, has been to the depths of hell in playoff embarrassment. Danny Green has the record for the most three pointers ever in a, in, a, in a NBA Finals, and he has a championship. Kawhi record speak for himself. He's a Finals MVP against LeBron. Um, who's Siakam's young, but yes, but they also have Marcus Gasol, who is one of the most underrated players of this decade. Defensive Player of the Year, has made the Conference Finals. Understands how he just he's just a, a smart, solid player who can shoot, play, defend, do everything you want. And you have Serge, a veteran, coming off the bench. Those things are the recipe for a championship team. I think they win. I think they win a close game. Because the Bucks, there was a, there was a report, uh, Malika Andrews on Twitter said that the Bucks locker room was eerily, is that the word? Yeah, eerily silent last night, in last night's locker room. They've never been here before. Everything's been so joy and happy on the ride there. And, and something I noticed that Giannis, when it was 12-5, it was 12-5. to Giannis dunked, got a dunk. He started flexing and screaming like it was fourth quarter. They're making a big run. I'm like, dude, you're exerting a lot of energy right now. When it's 12-5, you're letting out a lot of flexing right now. And then what do we see the rest of the game? My boy Drake, Aubrey Graham on the court going crazy. I have not liked any of his last four albums, five albums, whatever you want to say since Take Care. (laughs) But... But I want a statue of him rubbing Nick Nurse's shoulders in the middle of a conference final game of the fourth quarter. That statue needs to get built. I want it on a t-shirt. I would buy it. People get annoyed with Drake. This is a comeback. Dude, it is awesome. Like, this is, this is, I've, I'm a Raptors fan, man. I'm all in on Toronto until Kawhi leaves. I love this. Um, yeah, why not? You say them in seven. I say them in six. We'll see. We'll see this. We'll see if a 24-year-old about to be crowned MVP, Giannis, is up for the task, and I'm excited to see it. But Kawhi, that's all. Here's the thing: in games, I said about the last two game seven, they just threw Kawhi. They just threw Kawhi on Jimmy Butler, and like, all right, Jimmy's not going to do anything. Well, that's that's all they have to do. And then when they play Golden State, all right, Kawhi, it's a good transition. Um, because who do you think matches up? I've heard a lot of matchups that. Everyone thinks Milwaukee is the much tougher matchup for Golden State. What are your thoughts on the Golden State Toronto, Golden State versus Toronto, Golden State versus Milwaukee dynamic? I think it's the same argument that I've made for this Eastern Conference Finals because it's so as much like for example, the Nuggets would have matched up better than the Blazers. But the Blazers had opportunities to win, they had three big opportunities to win. Um but I when, when it comes to Toronto and and Milwaukee going up against Golden State, like, all right, Giannis, I would assume, would take KD in some capacity. Um, mm-hmm. And then the rest, you're just like you always say, you're just switching on everything. Switching on everything. Um, and then you just hope that Giannis can stop KD on ISO. But if Kawhi can guard LeBron when LeBron was doing his thing and he could be finals MVP over, over LeBron when they had on that Spurs team. I, especially with Katie coming off a, is it a calf injury that he has, Mm -hmm. which is a very, um, unless we, if he can get it back to, you know, 90, hundred percent, um, by the time he gets back and he has more, he has a lot of rest, you know, he's getting a lot of rest and have to play it all this series. I probably has what another week before final start or so. Um, uh, May 30th. Yeah, so uh, a week from tomorrow, uh, Thursday the 30th. Yes. If Ka- if Kawhi can guard LeBron, I don't see why Kawhi can't guard KD. And if KD's not at 100%, your calves are your calves are extremely valuable in such an explosive sport that basketball is. Explosive and the endurance portion of it. Um, 
the I like I like I've been saying before. I think that the toughest matchup comes down to who's gonna who who's gonna try and slow down Steph Curry. Because I think that Eric Bledsoe offers the defensive upside. I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm no, no, saying, please. You, I'll just say anything. But Eric Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe would be the matchup, but Eric Bledsoe has been garbage on offense, and they just he just limits their spacing, and then they. Have, I think Milwaukee has to change their starting lineup. I think they have to, especially if you go against Golden State, who's just who is so great defensively that they, that that just gives Steph. Unless they're going to use Eric Bledsoe to attack off the drive. On Steph, I don't see, I don't see why they. I don't. I just don't see why. Here's the thing. Milwaukee is a tough matchup because KD would and Giannis. That's it. They don't, and they have ball moving. They hit their shots. Toronto has. I don't know. People like to say they're an ISO heavy team, which they are on the road. But that ball flies around the court, and they play great team basketball. I just, I mean, I mean, you're talking, to, you're talking to someone who just loves, who just loves Toronto, and I love their team. I'm looking at the stats now because were the Warriors at full strength? Full strength Warriors, besides Boogie. But I mean, let's be honest, Demarcus Cousins isn't really, he's he's an X factor, but he's not really like the X factor. On let me try to get the actual date up. December 12th of this season, the Toronto Raptors traveled to Golden State without Kawhi Leonard. Who do you think won that game? Did the Raptors win that game? Raptors won by 20. They they played another game when it was just it was just KD and KD went off for it was there was no Steph or Draymond. KD went off for 51 points, but the Raptors won in overtime because Kawhi had 37. I love... It's all about matchups. You can throw Ibaka and Gasol on Looney. And we just think, is Andre Iguodala healthy? I don't know if he's fully healthy. He had a calf problem too. Siakam can take turns on KD and Draymond. Kawhi can do the same. Lowry... If there's one thing Lowry likes to do, it's run around in circles and chase people around. <laughs> Danny Green can do this. <laughs> KD, Danny Green can do the same thing. I love. Uh, why did people jump off the Toronto bandwagon so quickly? I just don't get it. We overreact way too much as a society, and this was one of them. It looked bleak, but uh, it was one thing. Other last thing about um, this because we'll talk about we'll talk about Golden State just for a second too. Because there, I've heard there's people are coming with very, very, very hot takes, and I want to see what your thoughts on the hot takes are. Um, I forgot what I was gonna say this has happened twice today. I mean, I got a good night of sleep. I've drank a lot of water this morning. I'm just forgetting my thoughts. Ah, all right, whatever. I guess it's all good. Um, oh, that's what I'm talking about. The Thrones. So. This game with the double overtime, and I just and I'm like, I mean, I'm gonna watch the basketball game, and I want to watch both simultaneously. So I was watching this in the in, in the series finale of Thrones, and I'm just that makes there, two of us, by the way. Like, uh, I know, man. I'm like, this game's so good. I'm not gonna turn it off. And this all this, all the Danny stuff was happening. So the second the game ends, I look up and John stabs Danny right in the heart. I'm like, all right, this is perfect. And close this. Let's see some brand the builder stuff, brand the broken stuff. All right, Golden State. Made their fifth straight finals. That's never hasn't happened since the Celtics of the '60s when they were playing. And the joke is they were playing plumbers and janitors. I'm not going to comment on that because you are what your era is. Five straight finals. Chance to win four out of five. Seventy-three and nine team. In your lifetime, is this the best? This is this has to be the best NBA dynasty we've seen. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Now, Andre Iguodala said it. Do you think Steph Curry is a top five player ever, a top ten player ever? Like Iguodala said, he's top two. Because if you look at it, four out of five finals appearances, five straight finals appearances, 
chance, very good chance, very, very heavy chance that they win four out of five titles. A three-peat. Unanimous MVP, two MVPs. He already has more MVPs than Kobe, which pains me to say. Um, greatest shooter ever. Changing the dynamics of the court. I don't think he's changed the NBA, but he's changed the dynamics of the court in terms of what shooting and geometry can do to in spacing. Where do you... You're not as big as a basketball head as me in the history and stuff like that too, but in terms of players you've seen, obviously Jordan is, at a, is, is number one. After that, where do you have Curry? Um, I would say... I understand that KD is a better basketball player on the basis that he's just a human... I know we say human freak a lot, but no one in the world can do what he does. Seven feet tall... Mm -hmm ridiculous wingspan can drive to the hoop can post you up can shoot the three and can defend and can like he's seven feet so of course he can rebound like he can do it all but kd is soft kd is soft (laughs) and you know that because only soft people create burner accounts for twitter and only soft people leave okc to go to Golden State the way he did it. That's soft. I can't have <sighs> someone that's soft ahead of Steph Curry. Michael Jordan, not soft. LeBron was soft this year. Man. You, you know, like... Outside of that, I mean, Kobe, I Kobe's, up, Kobe's not soft. Kobe is the opposite. He, he literally made two free throws with a torn Achilles. That uh, KD would he ever? No. No. We thought he tore his Achilles. We thought he just tore his Achilles. Well, of course we thought, but he's soft and he didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know. I know. He's soft and he didn't. <laughs> so I would probably at, at this moment in time, I would probably uh, put Jordan one. Le- Man, I love I love when a football guy comes out comes in left field with his soft takes. I love it. <laughs> Probably put Jordan one, LeBron two, because I've seen LeBron take over games and lead teams that have no other talent um, to the finals and push it to six, seven games and win a vast majority of those. That's the other thing is that he is he is a dynasty because he made eight straight finals himself. Yeah, so. so that's why I put LeBron too because he switched two different teams and went to eight straight finals himself. It did not matter who was around him. Yes, he had obviously had Dwayne and Bosh in Miami and had Kyrie and so on and so forth in Cleveland, but that's that. So I'd put Michael Jordan one, LeBron two, Steph Curry three. Probably Kobe, Steph. Okay, and then this is a debate that is Steph over Kobe. I didn't get to watch a whole lot of Kobe. Okay, so I only got to watch the back end of his career. Um, yeah, the bad, the bad parts. And I know you're a Kobe diehard, but everyone everyone's up this isn't you but everyone with kobe they hate his efficiency who can't, he didn't people have to talk about who he's passing the ball to you know what when he had a service when, literally not even great talent when he had a solid team around him he won championships and i saw this stat i gotta find it now i gotta find it espn did it steph curry scored the most points ever in a four-game sweep outscored Shaq in 2000 by one let me see. Okay, ESPN really were talking about LeBron's first buzzer beater against the Magic. They lost that series 4-1. Come on, where is it? Pounding this thing. Hopefully it comes up. And honestly, oh, is that a Kobe thing? I think Kawhi has a chance. Like, for my top five, I would probably, if to close that out, I'd probably put 
assuming his trajectory keeps going the way I it, it's going as of now, I would probably put Kawhi over KD. And I'd probably put Kawhi 5 and then KD 6. <sighs> That's potential. I'm not there yet cuz KD's an MVP. He's literally I'm not I'm personally not there yet. I ha- I think I have That's a what I'm saying the trajectory. But like but I, like I said, KD is soft, bro. Well, I don't think we're even. Gonna, I don't think we're even going to be able to talk about football because we're just talking basketball. I like the barbershop talk a little bit, even though I go to a hair salon. I don't know if you go to a barbershop um, here, either near nor there. Um, <laughs> shout out Tina. Uh, <laughs> um, every time I'm building, I ask him like, "Hey, let's draft. Let's draft a five-a-side team, the all-time." Any five people in the history of the NBA, you pick your five, I pick my five. I let them get MJ. I let them get let them get the Shaqs, the Wilts, because my team is literally always Kawhi, KD, Scottie Pippen, whoever's left out there. I'll take Steph, I'll take Kobe, and I get Hakeem Olajuwon because – you can't stop my defense. And that's something that Curry yet Curry's an he's not gone to the point where yes, he gets targeted so much, but he's really not that terrible of a defender. He's smart. He fouls. He'll have a foul trouble game every once in a while. Um It's Steph is climbing because it's such a tough thing to say because, you know, systems Steph is the system. He has Draymond, who is Draymond's a cheat code. Draymond Green is a cheat code because everyone's looking for the Draymond. No one's Draymond. No one has his ball handling. He played center and point guard at Michigan State. Shout out Tom Mizzo. His IQ. He can literally do everything on the court, every single thing on the court. And his intensity. He lost twenty six pounds after the season started before the playoffs. I love it. I love Draymond for that. So I want to see, I want to see the end of the career. But his trajectory—he wins four titles, five titles. He's up there with, I mean, besides the '60 Celtics, Kobe, Magic, Johnson. I think Magic Johnson has five. Kobe, Magic, Shaq has four. MJ has six. Like if KD opts in and they sign a, and they and he signs another deal with Golden State. They are going to win like seven titles, and then you, what are you going to do? Yeah, Magic won five. So I'm not ready to put him in my top five ever yet. Maybe of this decade, definitely this decade. It's the decade, this era, the 2000s era. Is Shaq, Kobe, Duncan, LeBron, Steph, KD. That's the other thing, Steph or KD. Overall defensive impact, you go with KD. But his his best thing is shooting and scoring, and guess who's a better shooter and scorer? Steph Curry. So, um, it's been awesome. Shout out to Portland. The Dame loved Dame, my my man. Wasn't your series? Although they were up seventeen, eighteen, and eighteen points in in games two through four, which is terrible. So, put basketball to rest now. We'll probably be back next week with the finals preview, which I'm going to be off the walls about. No matter who it is. Let's talk a little Bucks football because they let Gerald McCoy go. Ninth, se- I think he played nine seasons. The best player of the 2010s for us, not even bar none by far. Great ambassador in the community. We let him go. We saved 13 million dollars in cap space, and we signed Adama Kongsu. Did those numbers come out? How much we're paying Sue yet? No, I'm looking into it to see if anything's released, but it hadn't been no everything that i've seen is from 16 plus 16 to 20 hours ago so there has not been any numbers released yet okay so if that's around like eight which would be perfect which means we have five million in space to get like i want a nick perry maybe even go get eric berry on a one-year deal just a prove it deal um so just yeah just give me your thoughts on letting mccoy go and replacing him with the player who was drafted one pick ahead of him in in damakongsu Nebraska corner. Thank you. Um, wait, hold up. I may have found it. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, don't be ten, please. Don't be ten. He had thirteen, right? Yeah, we had thirteen million. Mike Tenenbaum. You know Mike Tenenbaum, right? 
Yeah, GM. Yes, he said, this is, a, this is his tweet. Comparing Sue and McCoy, this is an efficient signing by Bucks. Sue is one year older, reportedly $4 million cheaper. So it would be nine. Mm, approximately. Love it. Um, love it. Well, first off, you know, I wanted the Lions to take McCoy so that Sue would fall to the Bucks, and this would have happened, you know, 10 years mm-hmm. ago or whatever, however long it was. Um, your bu- your your Bucks Cornhuskers. I'm one. I'm 100 getting a Sue Bucks jersey. Um, that I have to, um, so I can just go around. Is he just gonna? Is he is he, is he just gonna take? Was he 90 or 93 at Nebraska? Is he just gonna take McCoy's 93? Yeah, he was 93, so I would assume so. Oh, that's terrible. I know. Um, I love it. At least they're not. At least at least he's not the Buffalo Bills taking uh, OJ Simpson's number 32 back, which they just did, but. We're not going to discuss mm. that. Interesting. Um, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of the of the move. You know, McCoy, $13 million, we were strapped for cash. Bucks were strapped for cash. You know, they, they couldn't they – had to, they had to make a move somehow, and they, he was either going to get traded for nothing or was going to get released like we're seeing. And to essentially say, all right, we're going to swap you. Uh, we're going to swap you for Sue plus $4 million. I think it's great. One, it kind of gets a culture shift going even more so. I know we always talk about culture. Have you ever seen those videos on Twitter where their coaches, new coaches are always talking about culture? It's a compilation video. Just like, yeah, mm-hmm. we got to change the culture. Oh, change the culture. You know, we got to get a good yeah. culture. Got to get good culture. Um, so, but Sue is a very fiery guy. One, you know, we've seen him slam quarterbacks down, seen him stomp on people. And honestly, that's what the Bucks defense needs is someone that is willing to stomp on someone. Um, because we have not stomped on anyone since we had Simeon Rice and Rondé Barber and Derek Brooks. So I'm excited to see that. I think him, the experience that he brings being on a Super Bowl team last year, um, will help carry that over into what the Bucks defense can offer. It allows us to have a little bit more flexibility in what we can do uh, from a cap space. You don't, because I was always worried. I was like, man, if we cut McCoy, what are we going to do? D line depth. Um, this is this is the perfect solution. Um, you you keep Vita Vey, you keep Sue, you have your guys off the edge. Now you really only have to worry about an edge rusher. So as long as you can get penetration somehow, he's a high motor guy. Like Sue is gonna Sue is will work. Effort shouldn't be an issue. It's just is he going to be happy? Motivated. Yeah. Is he going to be happy about it? I mean, he's had. Yeah, I mean he's happy, dude. As long as he's getting paid, he's happy, and he knows that's he was with Miami, so he knows that's the uh, lack of a state income tax in Florida. So, I like the move. I mean, we have to replace JPP and McCoy, and we get Sue and maybe a Nick Perry off. We get that and a Nick Perry. That's not that's pretty good GM ship. That's pretty good. That's not that's not the worst. Um. So yeah. It's gonna. I'm gonna miss McCoy, although he underperformed. It's smart basketball move. Seeing Sue in Tampa is gonna be kind of surreal because we just don't know. I. It's just an unknown to me, like how he's gonna be. But we'll see if he's still if he's still talented and all that stuff, and he plays like he did in Los Angeles. Then it's a great bargain for the Bucks. One more thing about McCoy. He has interest from the Colts. Where would you like to see McCoy end up? Either there or Seattle. Mm. Seattle, he would go in. Um, he wouldn't necessarily have to be a day one starter. I mean, like he could be more of a rotational guy where he you're you're maximizing his efficiency instead of keep. He played all the snaps for the Bucks, like as many snaps as a D lineman can play. He played them. Like the dude, it was. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I, nine years, I, nine years he was with the Bucks. I think he made like four or five, four or five, six Pro Bowls, something like that. He was, he was, he was our best player all the time. Bucks fans got on him because they were like, oh, he's our best player, but it's because he was our best player, and then the next best player was like two or three tiers down on that defense. Like him and Levante David have been the only staples on that defense for the past five years. Yeah. And I, and that of course they're gonna point the finger to the best guy. So I'm hoping if it's not if the Colts dude, man, if he goes to the Colts, the Colts just got so much scarier. Like so much scary. It's mm-hmm. unreal. Um either there or Seattle, because I think Seattle with that defense, I and especially the motivation that Jerome McCoy is going to have, having what he probably is going to take as a fresh start. Oh, I think he's he will 
either there. I mean, I've seen I've seen some things that he could potentially be flirting with the Browns. Browns could be interested in McCoy. They were interested a couple weeks ago, allegedly for trading. So either one mm-hmm. of those three, I think, would be really fun to watch. But Seattle would probably be my favorite. I want I want Colts, Cleveland, New England. Those are the three I want. I just want them to win. Go win a championship, wherever it takes you. But that's perfect timing. Just over an hour. And everyone, that is going to do it for another episode of the No Ordinary Pod on the hopefully No Ordinary Pod Network. Whenever I'm running, he's a friend of me. I'm, he's a friend of me of the show now. Adam finishes the darn logo. But we're on the Radio St. Pete Network. Still doing, still chugging along. Coming up on a year with the network, which is kind of crazy to say. I, I was talking to someone. I think we've done four. I don't even have like the number. I think we have done like over 40, 50 shows, which is kind of crazy. It is. We have, it is, yeah. We, we, have like, we have like 100 hours of content on the radio waves and save somewhere, which is great to say. So, Noah, enjoy your weekend. I'll be going to the snowy caps of Park City, Utah this weekend. Utah. Looking, looking forward to getting there, hanging out with some non-Utah Mormons, hanging out in... Um, yeah, just loving the snow and being back in my cold element because it is 96 degrees here. It is very hot. But thanks for checking out. And everyone, have a good week.